This is an ABC podcast. For copyright reasons, the music has been edited. 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 To hear the full tracks, listen to The J Files, Thursday nights on Double J. Or head to doublej.net.au and click on the track list at the bottom of each episode. Kaz Tran here. Welcome to The J Files, the podcast for people who love music. Each episode is like a quick music history lesson. We pick a different artist or band, we look at some of the most important moments in their career, and we celebrate their impact on music all in less than 30 minutes. We also give you access to the Double J and Triple J archives, packed full of iconic interviews. On this episode, it's UK indie powerhouse, Florence and the Machine. With gale force anthems and a collision of classical instruments, thunderous drums and an intense emotional release, it certainly felt like Florence and the Machine had descended into our lives from a higher plane. Fronted by a fearless Florence Welch singing power to her volatility and vulnerability, across the years she's continued to sweep us up with songs and sentiments which often fold fantasy and theatre into some very personal spaces. Whether as a scorned lover, tragic heroine or warrior princess, she's able to channel an incredible force of emotion into every note she sings. It was in 2009 that Florence and the Machine first stepped onto the world stage with their debut album, Lungs. Assembled by a who's who of British production talent, including Pulp's Stephen Mackey and Simeon Mobile Disco's James Ford, the album would turn the London band into a worldwide phenomenon. It charted in 10 countries, reaching number one in the UK and number three in Australia. It toppled Kasabian, Dizzy Rascal and Lily Allen to win Album of the Year at the Brit Awards, and four songs off the record were voted into the Triple J Hottest 100, including a top 10 placing for Dog Days Are Over. It was a massive introduction to the big, bold voice of Florence Welch and the soaring instrumentation of a band who continued to build on its success. In 2010, when Florence and the Machine toured Australia to play their very first headline shows at Laneway Festival, Florence Welch spoke to Tom and Alex on Triple J about the band's newfound fame. It just kind of happened, isn't it? I don't feel any different. Yeah. It's not like all of a sudden I wake up and I've got, like, green skin. I'm number one. <laughs> ah, I've turned into a lizard. Yeah. Um, it, it just... Also because, you know, when it first came out, it didn't get to the number one spot and it feels like it's been a more gradual process. Yeah. There's a lot of work involved. Mm. So it's been quite hard work. So it's nice, I think, that it's come out well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how are you going to sort of, uh, after touring, go back into the studio and create another album? Sort of, what's the, going to be the process there? 
Well, I've just thought I did some work in the studio before I came here. Actually, oh, cool! Oh, yeah, cool. Um, I was working. Not not here. This studio in no. in the UK. Right? Oh, okay. yeah, I came into Triple J, <laughs> recording my album in Triple J. Exclusive. We'll do it. <laughs> we've, we've got good people here. We'll do it. We're prepared. To, we've got microphones and <laughs> everything. <laughs> we love live music. There's a CD. I mean, there's a guitar sitting over there. Okay, okay right now, let's do it. Yeah. Um, but I've been in the studio with Paul Epworth again and we've just kind of been mucking around and we've written two two songs, I think, mm. so far. So. Working titles? Uh, well, I mean, what's the, what was the working title? Strangeness and Charm, which was about um, they're like the smallest atoms, but you can't see them. You only know they exist because you can feel their effects. Uh-huh. So I thought that was a good metaphor. That's pretty cool. For, wow. You know, something. And I think the Spice what? Girls have a song about that. Yeah. They- <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, did they? Yeah, yeah, man. They pit me to the post on everything. Yeah. Days. Yeah. Um, and what was the other one? Oh, it was, like, called Spectrum. It was about, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's like this, the first album, I think, was animal and anatomical, and this one's more, like, chemical and elemental. Okay. Hmm. So far, anyway. <laughs> this is again. Now, also, we should say congratulations to you, Florence, for your nominations for the Brit Awards. Uh, three nominations, uh, Best break- Breakthrough Act, Best Female Solo Artist, and uh, and the Brit- the album, the British album. Uh, congratulations. Will you be, like, make it back for the awards ceremony? Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> I go back and I start rehearsing for the performance and then it's like, you know, two days after I get back. What, what track are you performing during the, the sermon? Um, we could, it's like a mashup of, because I'm doing a, a collaboration with Dizzy Rascal, so oh, wow, it's like right. a mashup of You Got the Love and Dirty Cash. So, how why why with Dizzy Rascal? Can I ask? That seems like an odd pairing to me. I, lo- I love Dizzy Rascal, um, but it just seems like an I don't know. We'd, I just really I think he's had an amazing year and yeah. he's a really exciting artist. I've never done anything like yeah. with like um, <clears throat> a rapper before, so we'll just we'll see how it goes. I think it's going to be fun. Twelve months on from the release of Lungs, Florence and the Machine were back in Australia for Splendour in the Grass, sharing the bill with The Strokes, Pixies and Ben Harper. When Florence Welch spoke to Lindsay McDougall backstage, she was still as grounded as ever. You know, everyone went away on their gap years and the furthest I went was to the art college, which was 15 minutes from where I lived. And the first job I had was in a bar, which was three minutes away. So never been a big traveller. And now you're in Woodfordia in yes. Queensland. <laughs> have you had a chance to have a look around and actually take in your surroundings? It's amazing. Like when we were driving through, the sun was just setting and there's all these incredible mountains and the landscape. It was so beautiful. There's a mountain that looks like a pyramid. Yeah, it is actually a pyramid. The Egyptians built it. Incredible. Or the aliens or something. Yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of amazing facts about this area. Um, But, yeah, it's it's beautiful, but it's quite scary as well. Like, when it was getting dark, I was thinking I'd be quite frightened if I was camping here. Well, thank you. Not to scare anyone out there, but I actually am quite scared of the dark. Well, you know, there's probably a lot of people listening who are quite jealous that, uh, that you're here and that so many other people are here and they're at home. You're safe at home. If you're yeah. listening, 
Although speaking of camping, you you uh, you have been taking your parents in a camper van around on tour with you. Well, don't the first um, the first tour I ever did, the MGMT asked us to support them on their European tour, but we didn't have any money. We were only a three-piece, but we really wanted to do the tour. So my dad very kindly offered to drive us round in his. Uh, camper van, which is called the Sundance. So it's quite funny though, because MGMT would be pulling up in their huge, like American tour bus, and then we would come rattling along behind them with like cups jangling everywhere. And it's tiny, and we'd all like crawl out of the windows. But yeah, it was fun. Speaking of new music, though, the uh, the, the, like, the newest thing we've heard from you was the collaboration that you and Dizzy did at the Brits, and we've been playing a lot of it. The, the you got the love, uh, and Dizzy Rascal having a song as well. How did that all go? Um, it was amazing. Uh, we kind of, we only got together really for one rehearsal before it, um, and you know, he kind of organised the backing track and then I turned up and we kind of rehearsed it in his studio and you know, the minute we started sort of, uh, sort of playing and performing together, even in that small place, there was a real sort of chemistry there and he's so charismatic and kind of fun to be around. I knew that if I could just get down those stairs on the night in <laughs> yes. that dress, then everything was going to be fine. Wow. And once I'd got down the stairs, I was like, this is going to be a breeze. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, you know, if I look happy, it's because I didn't fall over. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? I've got these massive notes I've got to sing. They're easy. It was getting I'm down still the stairs. <laughs> It was always going to be tough to eclipse the success of Florence and the Machine's debut album, but the follow-up record, Ceremonials, propelled the band even further. It went number one in the UK and Australia and earned the band their first Grammy nominations after cracking top ten on the American charts. Again, talking to Tom and Alex on Triple J during the height of the hype, Florence Welch played it down. It's always darkest Congratulations on everything. 2011's been huge for you. Yes, it wasn't a complete disaster. It wasn't, so right. Brilliant. I'm very pleased about that. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> no, I was never, never in doubt for mine, mm. Florence. Ceremonial is such a great album. We featured it a little while ago. Um, from your perspective, though, what do you reckon of the uh, the whole experience It's bringing out a second album? Yeah, it seems to have gone quite well so far. I was, wor- I was worried. You know, you, I think you can... You 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 know and you you can't really have any expectations when you release something because it's out of your hands and just the way people have embraced it again is really wonderful. So how much did, how much did all that? I mean, it was the, you know, Lunch was such a huge record. How much did that influence the preparations for ceremonials and the and the the the, the thought process around ceremonials? The success of Lungs was really unexpected for me and was amazing, but. It was a first record, you know, and so for me, I really wanted to concentrate. It was a sound thing, like, coming back into it, I wasn't really thinking about making it something that would be, like, a s- successful. I just wanted to make it, like, musically. I wanted to refine what I'd been trying, figuring out on lungs and kind of wanted to make something that was whole and a, a full sound. And so I think that's kind of more... I was thinking it more along the lines of sound than I was in terms of, like, success. Trying to get a new right. house or something. <laughs> <Another one like laughs> that. I still live with my mum, so... Oh, really? <laughs> really? How's she going? 
She's good. Yep. Yeah, she worries. Why? <laughs> Every time, it does, does, do other people's mums do this? Whenever I walk in, like wherever I've been, <laughs> she's like, eat something and go to, go to sleep. <laughs> I was like, it's, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> I've just come back from having lunch. Yeah. Eat something and go to sleep. Wow. Like wherever I've been, she's a her two demands, just eat something and go to sleep. Like whatever time it is. She's yeah. a, she's she upset. must lose your mind, her mind when you're out on tour in other she countries. Does, yeah, she does worry. Eat something and go straight to bed. Tell you to put on warm clothes and things yeah. like that. Wrapping me in a scarf, giving me a cupcake and putting me in a duvet. <laughs> Brush your teeth before you go to bed, yes. I've always been told as well. If you've been lucky enough to see Flomo live, you'll know that on stage is where her true power is evident. She exudes a classic femininity with her long hair, delicate features and flowing dresses, which are in contrast with her boundless energy, crowd surfing, leaping barefoot around the place, climbing stage rigging and, of course, her ability to connect with everyone in the audience. During her ceremonials tour of Australia in 2012, Florence got a young fan up onto the stage to dance. Triple J's Tom and Alex spoke to the tiny stage crasher the next day. She said she saw a little girl in a crowd. Everyone pointed at me. And then suddenly she went down near the stage, the side of the stage. Yeah. And I went downstairs and then she met me and she picked me up in the air and kissed me on the cheek. Oh, oh yeah. Definitely. That was... That was such an incredible moment. Guess what? Tom and I were actually at the show. We were there. We saw you. Really? Yeah, we saw you on stage. <laughs> How did you get up onto the stage after that? The security guard let me go on stage. Oh, that's nice. Nice work. She said that you, Florence said on stage that you were the youngest stage invader she's ever seen. Yeah, probably am. Gosh. <laughs> How old are you, Emily? Eight. Oh, wow. Eight years old. And what did the uh, Sydney Entertainment Centre look like from on stage? Well, it looks really amazing. Yeah. I'm like, just, oh, my God, what's happening? And then I got the hang of it a little. <laughs> so, do you think you'd, what, you'd like to do that when jaded. you grow You think you'd like to do that when you grow up? Yeah. Oh, wow. Do you play any instruments? Yeah. What do you play there? Guitar, drums. Awesome. Well, we have got Florence coming in today. Maybe in a few years, Emily, mm. you could be on the radio show and uh, be hanging out and because you're a really famous musician. Oh, yeah. That would be great. <laughs> That'd be awesome. It's a different kind. In her early years, Florence developed a reputation as a wild party queen. 
Speaking to Matt and Alex backstage at Splendor in the Grass in 2015, Flo revealed the inner conflict she had to resolve in order to write the third album, How Big, How Blue, How Beautiful. Oh my God, I had to write a whole record to recover from <laughs> said scenario, so I don't know. Like, oh, what happened? So much happened that was slightly regrettable. I literally had to write, write a record and hide, and hide for a year. So yeah. What song from your album would you recommend people listen to if they're in their, their lowest uh, point? Oh no, okay, so like main themes, I'd say. I figured out that my main themes are like relationships and hangovers. Mm. <laughs> okay. So I think Ship to Wreck is a good one. Mm. But that's kind of, that one's quite just about destruction, really. And that feeling of like you wake up and you're like, oh God. I woke up and like someone, my friend had like passed out and his dog had eaten one of my like feather boas. Or <laughs> and like and then Jack was there. He had a black eye. Had like, eaten the whole thing or the feather boa was halfway like, in the mouth. Yeah, I was like I was like there's feathers everywhere and this dog was like running around with a feather boa and I had to go to the opera. It's a really long story. Do you believe in Do you believe in Monday morning promises? You know, are you are you someone who's like all right, that's it. It's green smoothies every morning for the next week. Yeah, I'm going to the gym. Yeah, I did that. That was like, because I wrote the record about, you know, I was in, in that mess and kind of like, you know, half half in green smoothie world and half in like tequila on a Tuesday world. <laughs> and like, the, it was all about that conflict between these two like sides and you'd have this one side of you that wanted to like read and have a nice time and then the other side would be like, whoa, no, you just like trashed yeah, your house. Yeah, in order to make this book better, a glass so, of wine. yeah, and then, um, so I think there's a lot of that conflict on the record, but yeah, I had to like totally clean up to make the record, otherwise I don't think I would have made it. In 2018, Florence and the Machine released their fourth album, High As Hope. Here's Florence talking to Jen and Lewis on Triple J about how her ongoing sobriety allowed her to explore different themes on this record. It feels like ages now, like four and a half years or something. Mm. Do you know what? It's funny because like, this album isn't really about being sober because I was sober for about three years before I even started writing it. So it actually gave me space to write about other stuff, to think back about my family history, to think back about the ways that I have seen love, to think about, you know, like my grandmother and the way that she loved my mother and the way that she in turn loves me and that I love others. And I guess what it did give me was more brain space to think about things beyond my own drama, to think about heartbreaks bigger than my own. Yeah, I guess it allowed me to zoom out. So I wasn't basically trapped in the cycle of personal chaos. It, I could have a wider perspective on stuff. In 2019, 10 years after the release of their debut album, 
Florence and the Machine were back in Australia. Speaking to Veronica and Lewis on Triple J, Florence Welsh gushed about the very long-term connection the group feels to its Australian fan base. <laughs> yeah, it was really um it was really special actually. Geelong was crazy. I they don't ne- they never they don't really tell me how big the shows are going to be. They and you, you kind of like I'm a bit separate from the booking process obviously because I'm the most disorganized person in the world and if I was doing it nothing would ever happen um but I showed up and there were just so many people I couldn't believe it I was kind of um yeah I was really moved by it it was a really beautiful thing and so yeah they've the crowds have been really amazing and it's, yeah, it's, it's been a really incredible run of shows. Well, we were very surprised because we're both from Geelong. We went, we went to school together in Geelong. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so we, when we saw the line and we saw the, like your schedule and we was, it was like all the capital cities and then Geelong, we were like, what? An, and again, like again, having grown <laughs> up there, no one ever came to Geelong. Well, it was people as far as I could see. It kind of had like a Woodstock feeling to it. It was all outdoors and it was a really incredible show, actually. It was was really special. Yeah, well, you have such excited and loyal fans in Australia. They're all over you, Instagram. Like, have you managed to meet many of them? Do you know, it's really, um, it's always so nice to come back here once I get over my kind of brain crunching jet lag that I get really badly um being like a sort of it's so annoying being a sensitive person it means you kind of means you can write songs and do stuff but it means that like other things get you really badly but kind of once I was out of the hallucination the people at the shows and yeah the Australian fan base is just so passionate but from the very start, it was like that. I don't know what it was, but there was something about it. People over here really embraced it. And, and yeah, it's always amazing to come back and to see that people love the new music as well. And I don't know, the, the new record was, really, was a really vulnerable thing. But there's, I never get over seeing people singing back the lyrics. And the connection, I think, is, is so important. And I really feel it at the shows. I need my golden crown of sorrow, my bloody sword to swing, my empty heart to echo with grand self-mythology. I am no mother, I am no bride, I am king. In 2022, Florence and the Machine released their fifth album, Dance Fever. It tackled themes of being a woman and balancing ambition with society's gender expectations grappling with stepping away from music and performance, mental health and the power of music to cope with life's hardships. It's vulnerable, empowering and deeply comforting and one of the Double J team's favourite albums of the year. They grabbed our hearts and held that embrace the whole way through their amazing debut, Lungs. Such an auspicious start is a lot to live up to, but Welch and her band have delivered over and over again. And five albums in, their songs remain as affecting 
and rousing as ever. The J Files is a Double J podcast. Make sure you like, follow and share. Our producer is Gab Burke. Theme music is by Art vs. Science. You can check out Double J anytime on the Triple J app or at doublej.net.au. I'm Kaz Tran. Thanks for listening. <laughs>